Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Tasha Radel takes a thoughtful look at the Jacob Wetterling case and its continuing impact in Minnesota and beyond. Mike Grimm chats with Minnesota native Tom Lehman about the Ryder Cup, and I get the scoop on the new Pro Football Hall of Fame exhibit at the Minnesota History Center from Viking Hall of Famer Carl Eller. But first, ripples are still expanding across Minnesota after last weekend's terror attack in St. Cloud. 22-year-old Dahir Adan allegedly stabbed 10 people at a shopping mall before he was fatally shot by an off-duty officer. We do not at this point in time know whether the subject what it was in contact with had connections with was inspired by a foreign terrorist organization fbi special agent in charge rick thornton st cloud police chief blair anderson later said as i talk to you today we have not uncovered anything that would suggest anything other than as the criminal investigation continues, social and political waves continue spreading, and MN's Bill Werner has been looking at that. Bill, is this still a tense situation? Yes, Scott. I think it is fair to say that for many people it is. We would like to say loud that our community in central Minnesota has no relationship with ISIS or any other Islamic terrorist group. Meanwhile, the owner of a family restaurant in Lonsdale put a message on his signboard reading, Muslims get out. The head of the Minnesota chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, Jailani Hussein, went to meet with him. From our experience, interactions with Muslims can easily enhance the knowledge and sometimes can reduce you know, anti-Muslim or Islamophobic attitudes, and we hope he accepts that this would be a great place to start a dialogue and discussion. Treats family restaurant owner Dan Rudinger says the message only applies to radical extremist Muslims who commit acts of terror. Asked if he's considered changing the sign to reflect that, Rudinger responded, we, we have thought about that. And then what we come to the conclusion, especially with all the feedback we're getting, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter what you put up there. Some people are going to find it offensive and they're not going to like it. And I am sick and tired of worrying about if people are offended. We are getting pretty close to the election. And terror attacks in St. Cloud and elsewhere around the country could play into the outcome of the presidential race in particular. We asked Hamlin University political science professor David Schultz about that. What's interesting is how to some extent um, some of the polls seem to slightly favor Donald Trump you know, in terms of how the American public views him in terms of addressing again, both law and order and security issues. Not by much, if you look at some of the polls, but enough that it might give him the edge um, in a very close election. And now that we have taken a look at the societal tension and political waves, we will end this segment by going back to the victims. 18-year-old Ryan Schleep of Wilmer, one of those stabbed at the St. Cloud Shopping Mall, and he talked about it with News Director J.P. Cola at affiliate KWLM. Did you have any inkling that when you uh, went out to the Crossroads Center in uh, St. Cloud that you would be the victim of uh, terrorism? Uh, no, that was probably the last thing that I thought would end up happening on a Saturday night in St. Cloud. We were going to go get a game system for uh, Play Mario on that night. Sounds like it didn't take uh, very long for the action to happen. I was uh, approaching the first front door and an uh, African-American individual dressed in a uh, police officer uniform 
walked out and rounded the corner coming kind of towards us and he started striking a female in the back and uh, at first I thought they were just messing around just walked right past him then I realized it was serious when a woman came in crying saying call 911 and as I was turning around the attacker came through the first set of doors took a couple steps towards me and I braced myself and uh, because it was clear at that point he was going to attack me I looked at him in the face he had a badge on and everything, like a uniform. Then he came up and he threw his right arm up towards my head. So I thought he was just going to punch me in the head. But he had a kind of a blade or something in his hand that I didn't see at all at the time. And he ended up stabbing me through my hat into the head, pulled out the blade. I fell to the ground. Then he pursued through the doors. And then uh, one of the men from outside... That was, with that group getting attacked, he walked in, and he was bloodied, and he was screaming at the attacker because the attacker attacked his pregnant girlfriend, then went after the attacker. So I got up, and I went after the attacker with the other man to try and stop him because he was running into the mall, and I didn't know if he was running after my girlfriend at that point or where she was or anything. Started going down another corridor. And at that point, we stopped chasing because he was at least halfway to target by then. At that point, I turned around and realized that there was an awful amount of blood coming from my head uh, down my face and neck and um, starting to gather on my shirt. Uh, The other man had been stabbed in the back multiple times, and uh, we were both kind of in the lobby and looked around, and all the stores started just kind of randomly closing their doors and locking up then i went towards forever 21 where my girlfriend i found out was and once i got in there a random kind of citizen bandaged my head and uh, then the ambulance came and they took me away and that was uh that was it for the night that is st cloud mall terror attack victim ryan schleep scott thank you bill more minnesota matters after this son Uh, Can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, No, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, Because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! (laughs) (laughs) The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. All right. Now pass me the new filter. Why? (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Jacob Wetterling's memorial service Sunday marks the end of the almost three-decade search for the boy from St. Joseph who was kidnapped in 1989 and vanished without a trace. MNN's Tasha Radel visited with a Painesville native who believes he too was a victim of Jacob's abductor. 
Chris Bertelson says he will never forget hearing Jacob Wetterling was abducted. He says it was a flashback that caused intense panic and anxiety. Bertelson says he immediately wondered if the person responsible was the same man who tormented him and his friends. Between 1986 and 1987, there were a series of attacks in the Painesville area where a number of young boys were stalked, chased, accosted, and in most instances, molested. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, can you take us back to the first time you and your friends were targeted? Yes, I was, um, I was the target of one of them, and... Um, what happened is my friend and I were coming around the corner um, about a half a block from my house, from my apartment, and as we went around the corner, we switched spots on our bicycles, and um, the guy ran out from behind these spruce trees and grabbed my friend, who he had already attacked um, a few months prior, and when he grabbed him, my friend yelled, you already got me, and the guy let him go and took off running. And so for the, for the next year and a half or so, um, I felt targeted, you know, that, uh, terrorized actually, that he was really after me. He grabbed the wrong kid. Um, and, and so this guy, it's, what's interesting about it, there were a number of us who got away. Um, and he, uh, he was our boogeyman, so to speak. Um, this guy could, he would and did attack random times and, and uh, different places. And, and in these situations, um, we were camping one night and uh, four or five of us were camping and two of us walked up the hill to get a pop out of the pop machine and, and he lunged out at the kid that was walking by me. Um, so, so he was always on the periphery. It felt like he. It felt like he could, could be a, a, a come after us at any time. Do you believe Danny Heinrich is the person behind all of the Painesville attacks? I do. Um, there's a hat that's mentioned in the search warrant that he actually. Uh, it, it was left behind uh, the night he was after after me and grabbed my friend. Um, the second time, and, and that was about an 80% DNA match, so Heinrich could not be excluded. The description, you know, if if they would have asked us, um, you know, describe this guy, it, it's it's pretty stark the, <laughs> how similar this guy is to the to the other to the descriptions of in these other cases in Jared's case and. I think he's the guy. He was the main suspect. Um, in 1990, um, the police chief in Painesville reported Heinrich as, a, as the, the main suspect in these cases, and yet we were never asked to try to identify him or, or anything like that. So are you angry and bitter because of that, not being asked and not no one paying attention to you? Um, no, I am. I'm grateful that they that they finally, uh, you know, brought Jacob home. I mean, that's, that's really why I agreed to talk to Jared. Um, I wanted answers for the Wetterlings. Um, I met them way back and, you know, just really had, um, I mean, I have my original Jacob's Hope button. You know, I just always believed that, um, you know, that they should have, they should have answers.
Were you surprised that Heinrich confessed to the abduction and murder of Jacob? Well, I got to be honest, I wasn't surprised. I always sort of had this question in the back of my mind, you know, is this the same guy? That, well, that's what I felt. I felt that for years. I mean, you can imagine 27 years I've wondered, like, is this the same guy? And, uh, and so I wasn't surprised, um, you know, but looking back, I think, like, uh, if Heinrich, which he was a suspect early on, but they never searched for Jacob in Painesville. Um, you know, they, they've searched everywhere else. Right. But I, um, so yeah, I was not surprised by that at all. Jacob's memorial is Sunday in his hometown of St. Joseph. Is this going to be an emotional day for you and the others? It is. And, um, I wish I could be there. I think for me, the, the, just having the Wetterlings know, um, is just so important. And um, to be able to, I don't think you ever really, I don't, I don't want to say close it. I don't believe that happens. I, I think the Wetterlings have done so much good that um, it's not really closure. It's just a different, it's a different direction. But, um, but I think it's, uh, I, I think it's very important. And I, I think for myself and the other guys in Painesville, the sentencing um, will help with that process, too. Any final uh, thoughts or words here today, Chris? My final thoughts, and, and this is very important to me, um, is is kids need to talk. Boys especially can't feel ashamed to talk about stuff that's happened to them if, if something's happened to them, and adults need to listen. And uh, that's changing for the better, but, but kids need to feel safe. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects benefiting more than 18 million students. 
It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. One of the most recognized international sporting events in the world begins this coming week in Minnesota when the Ryder Cup takes place at Hazeltine National Golf Club in Chaska. The U.S. team of 12 golfers will take on a team of 12 Europeans in various head-to-head competitions over the course of three days. Minnesota native Tom Lehman is an assistant captain for the American team, and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with the Austin-born and Alexandria-raised golfer. Scott, the U.S. team captain Davis Love III knew he wanted Tom Lehman to be part of his management team for this Ryder Cup event, and Lehman, who's been a team captain in the past for the Ryder Cup, was more than happy to oblige. It's a thrill to be able to be a part of it. Um, not swinging the club, but, but just to support it you know, in any way that I can means a lot to me. I think the role of the, the captain the assistants is to kind of create the atmosphere for the players to succeed, and, and so to do everything in our power, everything in my power to help Davis, uh, you know, create that kind of atmosphere is, is, you know, in some small way, if it can help, it means a lot. You know, I'd, I'd love to be a part of a, a victory here in Minnesota. When you think about the golf fans here, of course, we all know it's a shortened season, but pretty passionate golf people. What do you think this will mean for, for the golf community here statewide? Well, it's a chance to, to show off all that's great about the state. Um, there'll be a lot of people from around the world who are here. And so the Minnesota gets to show off, you know, who they are, what they believe, how they act, how they are respectful of everyone, but incredible uh, hometown fans. I mean, they'll be, they'll be respectful of the European fans, but they'll be very uh, adamantly pro-USA, you know. And, and I like that. I like that about the Minnesota fans, that they are respectful. But there is no doubt that the, that the home team is their favorite team. You certainly have experience in, in majors, in Ryder Cups, President's Cups, everything. Give us a little perspective. I mean, is this the biggest golf event to hit Minnesota? Of course, we've had U.S. Opens and Senior Opens and Women's Opens and PGA Championships. Is this, is this the biggest? Well, it's the biggest in scope. It's the, probably the biggest in worldwide notoriety. It's the most pressure uh, for the guys who play. Um, I, I think it's the biggest event in the world, as I mentioned earlier today, is, you know, that the majors, you know, you know, at, you know, have at least, if not more, um, prestige if you win, you know. But but they're 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 not as big. They're not. I mean, Augusta may come close, uh, but they're but they're not as big and not as worldwide in its scope and and the and, and the just the the pressure of the situation I mean there's just you know every hole in a Ryder Cup is like the back nine on Sunday of a major so from the very first shot on Friday until the last shot on Sunday you feel like you're coming right down the stretch in a major championship and the pressure never ends you mentioned that as part of team golf because in individual golf it's you and you know you if if you're out of it then you're out of it but when you're trying to, one, you got the whole country behind you, but two, you got 11 other teammates and captains and vice captains and everything else. Take us through that mindset as a player. Well, it's easy to get off of what you normally think about. It's easy to, to start thinking about all of the ramifications of a bad shot and how you're letting your teammate down and how you're letting the fans down in the country. And, and you know, every, every shot you hit makes somebody happy. Every shot you hit, somebody's cheering and somebody's booing, you know, really. It's, and uh, you miss a three-footer, somebody's going to cheer. Um, so it's easy to kind of get out of your game plan, get out of playing like you normally play because of that. And, and 
it's you really need to just do your job. You just execute the way you play, and, and you know, forget about all the stuff that, all the noise around it, and that includes apologizing to your partner for a bad shot. You know, that doesn't help anybody. You know, so you just you got to play your game, and, and you got to be paired with a guy who compliments you with your game. So you play your game, he plays his game. You put the two together, and you have something. Hazeltine, tell us about that course. I mean, we've read about it, we see it on TV. Not a lot of us have been out there to see it, play it. You've played it, obviously, a lot. What, what, what's that? What's the key to that course? Well, it's a hard course. It's a very difficult course. It's it's long, but a lot of the length uh, is in the par fives and a couple long par fours. Uh, the rest of the course is not overly overly long, but it's but there's a lot of awkward shots. You know, a lot of shots, um, you know, where you're you're fighting winds that are kind of crossing and helping or crossing and hurting and so it's it's a. Uh, I think Tiger said it best. He's played really well. There's almost won two majors, and you know his comment to me was uh, that, that Hazeltine requires a very disciplined approach, and I totally agree with that. Is you just you just don't blast it out there. You know, you do that, you're going to get in trouble. You have to. It pays to have length, but you have to know what you're doing and where to hit it and how to attack the hole. And um, so it takes a lot of discipline. That weather you mentioned, you grew up, you know, working on kind of that hook, that low yeah. liner, because you're playing in the spring here. Yeah. Uh, can that help? You can talk to guys about that too, and yeah. and uh, and give some advice. Yeah. Well, the, the game has changed. You know, the game. Uh, you know, back then you play with golf balls that spun a lot, and you know, wooden clubs. So you had to find a way to take spin off uh, and fight the conditions. You know, the modern game is more about power, um, hitting it high, regardless of whether it's windy or not, and you know, with uh, and so it's a different kind of game. Uh, it's, you know, it's a game that I actually don't relate to all that well. It's, it's, it's changed that much, but, but um, you know, our guys are excellent golfers. They don't need help on, from me on how to hit a golf ball. Last question for you. For Minnesota golf fans out there, some guidance. offer some guidance. How do you cheer at a Ryder Cup? What's the right thing to do? Yeah. I mean, you want the Americans to win? Is there politeness? Is there, hey, let's get after it? What would you say? Well, I mean, Look, it's, uh, I always simply say, you know, um, cheer with your heart. Be respectful, but cheer with your heart. Um, and, and that sometimes means that when a guy misses a five-footer, you know, if a European misses a five-footer to win the hole, it's okay to cheer. You know, that's, uh, that's what you do in, in team sports. You know, you don't heckle the guy. You don't make fun of the guy. You don't, you know, catcall the guy. But you, you cheer for your team, and if that means cheering when they miss, that's fine. Very good. Should be fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Minnesotan Tom Lehman on Minnesota Matters. Scott? Thank you, Mike. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Most Minnesotans know the name Carl Eller. The Viking great was a Purple People Eater and made the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2004. Now the legendary defensive end is getting the word out about a new exhibit at the Minnesota History Center running from September 24th through January 15th. It's called Gridiron Glory, the best of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I recently caught up with Carl about his career, the current state of football, and what people can expect from the new exhibit. They're going to see... You know, a lot of the history of football and some of the greats that played the game, and these are, will, be, will be artifacts that will actually be from the hall itself. And so uh, it'll be like people will actually save a trip of going to Canton, so it's going to be a very realistic, very authentic display. And there's also, from what I understand, some interactive exhibits for people as well? There are some interactive uh, activities, some events, so it's a family-style uh, event, so, it's, you know, the family is welcome and encouraged to bring, you know, youth uh, as well as, as adults. There'll be a chance to see some of the historical uh, moments in, in, in football history, and there'll be a tremendous emphasis on Minnesota history and Minnesota Hall of Fame including Minnesota Vikings that are in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Carl, you made the Hall of Fame in 2004. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about what that meant to you. Oh, I it's hard to explain really. It's just uh, it, it's it, it kind of documents your experience and your and your contribution, you know, to the game. Um it's such a personal accomplishment. Um uh, it's not one that even I ever dreamed of. It's not like I started with the idea I want to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it, it, it's just one of those things that uh, people honor you by the way you play the game. And so it comes from a selection of other Hall of Famers and, and the people that run the, you know, run the Hall of Fame. Uh, so it's an honor that's that's earned. It's not something that, you know, it's not a popularity. You actually have to earn it. And once you're in the Hall of Fame, you realize that because all the other guys, I have a tremendous respect and, in fact, an admiration for. They're, they're just great, great guys, great athletes. You mentioned that people around here take their football and the Vikings very seriously, and they have for quite some time. How have you seen the relationship between the game and the local fan change over the years? Well, it has changed. In in the in the sense that I felt like when I played and when you know in the years of Purple People Eater years that we were an extension of like the everyday Minnesota family you know and that uh, you know how we did on Sunday affected everybody for the rest of the week you know so if we didn't do well. You know, you'd hear about it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people would be like down in the dumps and it started to pick up their spirits like Thursday and Friday, you know, Saturday. And it was just, there was such an emotional attachment to the game and to the players. And it just felt like these guys were, were with us just totally every down, every play. I guess I have to ask you, how do you like the Vikings' chances this year? I like their chances. I'm I'm really uh, sorry about uh, Bridgewater, you know, because a lot of our hopes uh, were kind of dependent on him. But 
you know, like Coach Zimmer says, you and you can't just depend on one guy, you know, even though he's a very, very important guy and, and I really have great admiration and respect for Teddy and I know how he must feel because I know his hopes were up there. You know, I'm curious, you you mentioned Teddy's injury and of course that was a no contact injury, but do you think that the league needs to take more steps to protect players from concussions and other serious contact injuries? Well, I think that they have made great improvements along that line, uh, and I think the game gets safer every day. Uh, one of the things uh, with uh, with the concussions, I think certainly equipment, uh, techniques, and training, coaching, all of that stuff is part of it. But the thing that I want people to realize is is that uh, you know uh, football, particularly pro football, is a safe sport and is getting safer every day. And some of the things that that I'm doing, I'm also the president of the NFL Retired Players Association. And so we look for those ways to improve our health, you know, even after we're done playing. So uh, uh, it's a great sport and the things that you get from the sport. And I think people will see that when they go visit the display, you know, at the Historical Society, how important and how much a part of uh, uh, American life football is. What do you uh, what do you feel when you see the bust of yourself at the hall? <laughs> it's I go now that was a great football player. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no arguing that, Mr. Eller. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing the exhibit. Well, I appreciate your time, and come out and visit us. It's a family affair. Once again, the Gridiron Glory exhibit kicks off on September 24th and runs through January 15th at the Minnesota History Center. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.